the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash the like and come and join us in the chat. Week two has been circled on our calendar since the summer, right? You look at all these non-conference games. You say, oh my gosh, we get to see uh, this good road test for this power conference team. We get to see uh, an Alabama, Texas. We get to see a Miami, Texas A&M. We get to see uh, Coach Prime against Matt Rule. And man, week two kind of delivered. Now, was it like the most amazing Saturday ever? No. Yes. Damn, if we don't have a lot to be able to chop up right here on the Instant Reaction Show. Thanks for everybody that's watching with us live at youtube.com slash cover three. Um, we're going to get to all that and so much more, but we're going to begin right there with the result that just finished a little bit ago. Seven o'clock kickoff, about a four-hour game. I'll tell you what, clock rules clock rules didn't really uh, slow down what was going on in Texas and Alabama, but a lot of that had to do with uh, the touchdowns in the second half. Final score... Texas 34, Alabama 24, the best win of the college football season so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, maybe the best win we might have all season. Yeah. Pretty possible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. Right. I mean, this like this is what Texas has in its pocket. Like we we talk about how's Texas going to handle expectations. That was a big talking point coming into the year. First time that they'd been projected to win the Big 12 since 2009. Now you've got to win against Alabama in week two in your pocket. What are you going to do with it? Is a college football playoff contender with capital CFPC. I was trying to figure out what the C was for a second. I was like, CFPC, what? Yeah, the contender. Yeah, yeah capital CFPC. <laughs> What did we see from Texas? Where did this game break their way in your eyes? And then we can get into the big picture stuff. Let's start nitty gritty. I think they uh, were physical enough. Yep. Right? Like you knew Bama was going to be really physical on both lines of scrimmage. And was Bama more physical? 
you can probably argue that, but at the same time, they weren't so physical they were able to throw the knockout punch. You know, and to me that that was really the key. And then look, we talked about this. Sark would probably be able to scheme up a few big shot plays. And you know what? This time when Quinn Ewers got his pitch, he didn't miss. You know, he had never thrown a touchdown that had gone more than 30 yards in the air. No. Yeah. <laughs> he had a how, how couple, much, right? Yeah, a couple tonight. Yeah, that's what I'm against, saying. Like just in this game in yeah. Bryant Denny Stadium. I cannot just emphasize this enough. Beautiful moonshots, right? And like obviously great catches on those two, but just just dropped him in. Let 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 Worthy, let AD Mitchell run underneath him. That was that was really impressive. I, I was ext- I mean, look, Quinn Ewers, 349 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Crazy that's, what happens when Quinn Ewers doesn't get knocked out in the first quarter against Alabama, ain't it? It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, you know what? You know it's back. I don't think Texas is back, but I'm wondering, is Quinn Ewers the best quarterback in the country back? Oh, that was an original Tom Fernelli take after one quarter via the Cover Three group chat. Yeah, I don't know. I just I feel like feel like I I I think the people are talking about it again. I think Quinn Ewers played very well. I think Xavier Worthy had some moments. I think Quinn Ewers could have had a better game if Xavier Worthy could catch. In fact, I think Xavier Worthy would be a great wide receiver if he could catch. But he still I, was awesome. Hold on, before you dive into that, I'm not going to let that Xavier Worthy. You don't. I'm sorry. Slide. You don't. You don't drop two touchdowns and say he was awesome. He dropped two touchdowns. There was a point in the second quarter, middle stages of the game, where I was calling him Devonta Worthy because like Sark was back in his 22. No, no, no. Listen, listen. It's about the play calling, right? Okay. Because they put him in the backfield and motioned him in the flat. You know, they they were sitting there and throwing screens to him. It was almost like. Um, the way that they used Devonta Smith in the 2020 season was like, okay, we're just going to keep moving Devonta Smith around. He's going to be outside receiver. He's going to be inside receiver. He's going to be in the backfield. And I think this was first half, actually, now that I'm sort of recalling it. But it was not my final. I, I did not write in my write-up that he was Devonta worthy. But it was very clear that Xavier Worthy was getting that that Steve Sarkeesian favorite player treatment there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I think Steve Sarkeesian, I, I tweeted about this. I think he called an excellent game. I think Steve Sarkeesian is still one of the best play callers in the country and kind of proved it again today. He, you know, took what he did for Alabama to help them win those national titles and used it right against them. He confused their defense the same way he confused other defenses the last few years while he was with them. And I think that, I mean, they Texas really struggled to run the ball. Alabama's defensive line, I think that was one thing that we saw last week against Middle Tennessee that I think still is legit. Like, that is a very good defensive front. Texas was not able to really move the ball against them. What would concern me more from Alabama, aside from losing, is the offensive line looked a lot like last year's offensive line again. They couldn't run the ball. Like, unless it was Jalen Milrow kind of scrambling and running for his life, they weren't really getting any push in the middle of that. In fact, Milrow was under pressure a lot. So it looked, again, kind of like a and again, I say this in the context of Alabama. I don't say it in the context of the entire country. But that looked like a mid-Alabama offensive line. Yeah, they, they look, for this Bama team to be as good as it needs to be, you needed the offensive line to take that jump. And they just clearly have not yet. Now, will they? I don't know. But like Caden Proctor, granted, he's playing on a huge stage, but he's still a true freshman. And Texas took advantage of him at times, right? Like Texas has enough physicality up front now finally on the defensive line to where they don't get pushed around too much. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we had the questions along the lines of scrimmage last week against Rice, right? And 
and we we wondered on the show like is this a problem with Texas offensive line or has Texas just been repping Bama for three weeks in a row and didn't really kind of prep for whatever junk ball defense Rice was going to throw at them? I, I think we might have our answer, guys. I mean, yeah. Bama had two tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Average third down distance was almost double for Bama. Sark they kept only... these guys ahead of the chains. Yeah, I mean, that's it's not the one thing, but like you mentioned, like, First down, Texas averaged 7.9 yards per play. Alabama averaged 4.6. They were constantly putting themselves in kind of like second and longish situations. With When you have Jalen Milrow as your QB, those aren't situations you're trying to get into because it's really hard to stay on schedule with a guy who throws a very pretty deep ball. It's not the most accurate deep ball, and he's not very accurate underneath either. So it was a problem that they were dealing with all night, and it's a problem that they're going to probably continue dealing with this season because – I mean, he looked great against Middle Tennessee. He didn't look great tonight. He looked great in flashes. But going forward, there's going to be more tough opponents on this schedule. And they're still clearly, I don't know that they have their answer at QB yet. I'm not sure how many tough opponents remain on the schedule. But if they did take care of all the opponents left, because LSU has to come to you know Tuscaloosa, which obviously is difficult. There is an opponent at the end of the schedule that I don't think you can beat with Jalen Milrow unless he takes a massive, massive step. And that would be Georgia. Right? Oh, so, oh, oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Auburn. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know what's going on right now with that one, but I, they're winning. I've got seven to Auburn's three. Auburn's winning. Okay. It's the yeah. last time I, I got eyes on it. So gotcha. the culture war is still hanging in the balance as we, uh, the culture war trophy is actually hanging in the balance as we swing back and forth. We really need to hammer that home, that whole culture war rivalry between these two. I put it in our workroom today with a capital C and a capital W, really trying to make it happen. It's it's the culture war Mm -hmm. trophy. And it'll be settled probably after we finish here. I don't know. It depends on how much uh, the group wants to talk about. Wants to talk about Boise State UCF. I'm so sorry, Tom. I shouldn't have done that. Mm. Anyway, back to Alabama. So I thought that there was a spot where Alabama was going to be able to just figure this out, you know, where they got a couple of breaks, kind of lucky breaks. You hit the big, uh, the Jermaine Burton touchdown. Like all of a sudden you start to think, okay, okay. Everything that we had talked about, about, you know, Bryant Denny Stadium at night with the big team in town. How about Steve Sarkeesian in that, uh, you know, after the game? Yeah, I didn't want to tell them that they're 52 and one in their last 53 here. (laughs) Now they're 52 and two. Sick. Just sick stuff from Sark right there. Um, I, I thought that Alabama was still in this thing probably longer than, you know, the algorithm thought that Alabama was still in this thing just because of the way that I've been programmed to understand Alabama. But the inconsistency on offense, I don't think is just going to doom them in an SEC championship game. And I understand that, you know, like Thomas mentioned so many times, the SEC is horrible this year. The SEC is down and we should all just trash conference, you know, top to bottom. Well, no, let's give credit to you. Mississippi State did beat Arizona in overtime. So the they did. Is they did. Back. Yeah, they got it done in overtime at home, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mississippi State got it done in overtime at home 
against Arizona, but there are going to be spots that are going to be challenging. And, and that includes, as you mentioned, like LSU coming to Bryant Denny stadium. It is such a wild proposition where we're either going to throw 40 yard touchdown passes or we're going to do quarterback runs. And that's the entire offense. Yeah. But that is the entire offense, right? I mean, have we seen anything else that has been successful from Alabama? Look, unfortunately, Milrow was dropping back and leaving clean pockets too. He, mm-hmm. he He's not comfortable sitting back there behind the line of scrimmage, surveying and finding somebody. Now, he's actually kind of effective running around and then finding somebody. But like, if your entire offense is scramble drill, could you beat Texas A&M? We'll get to that. Probably. Could you beat LSU? Yeah, their DBs are still kind of trash. Right? Could you beat Ole Miss or Mississippi State or, or Auburn? I think it's very possible. But at Alabama, guys, like the goal is not just beating those teams. The goal is making the playoff and winning the playoff. And we talked about this all offseason. Wow, Tyler Buckner was the transfer they went out and got. Like they believe in Milrow. They believe in these guys. And it's one game, right? So, like, I'm not going to do the thing where this guy can't play based on one game, but it is. Do the thing. Do it. Do it. But <laughs> I think he can play. I think that you can win a lot of football games with the deep ball and a quarterback run. But can the problem the is two? but the problem is the standard. The yeah. standard is That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, like I tell you what, this Alabama team right now, they can go nine and three. Easy. <laughs> they, they do a sweat free nine and three. Jesus. Yep, they but, could. They could. They could do a sweat-free nine and three. They could accomplish nothing more than the quality they showed tonight and go nine and three. And for most teams in the country, going nine and three is a really good season. But that is not a good season at Alabama. They have got to get better than they were tonight to do something better than nine and three. Because a bunch of ten more tonight's is nine and three. Yeah. I it's I mean there is, there's going to be the whole, I mean, I'm sure Danny will be saying it on Monday, the whole Alabama is dead kind of thing. And I've said that I think they're dying, but I refuse to say that it's dead simply because in this age, they're literally just one transfer QB away from being Alabama again. But things have not been trending in the right direction for three seasons now. And it's getting concerning. Like, it's one thing to not win the national title, even though you've got the number one pick in the NFL draft at QB for two seasons. It's another thing when you're losing at home. When, like you said, what were they, 52 and one? Yep. That's just, it's, there's a lot of warning signs coming. That's all I'm saying. How many quarterbacks were in the transfer portal this offseason? You guys watched today who Alabama could have won this game with. Do they win the game with Sam Hartman? Yes. I guess probably closer. I think they do. I mean, I I think you're able to you hit a, you you hit a lot more singles and doubles with Sam Hartman than you do with Jalen Milrow and the home runs. I think they do win this game because Texas was messing around for a long time. They could have put yeah. this game away early and built a huge lead. They dropped touchdowns. They had to settle for field goals. They let Alabama hang around. I think if you let Sam Hartman hang around with Alabama, Alabama wins this game. I think that's fair. I mean, like, obviously, Bo Nix was, was a last-year transfer, so, so he doesn't count. It wasn't an amazing transfer quarterback class. Like, you don't win it with Graham Mertz. No. 
Am I missing somebody? No, I'm, I'm, mean, sure, the, I'm sure the chat will, will inform. No, no, listen, Devin Leary's Certainly not, not Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, no, I mean, not Devin Leary, not Peyton Thorne. Luke Altmaier, no. you probably win this game with. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I mean, if, if if you took a swing, the guy you'd probably take a swing at would would have been Drake May, and yes. they just didn't they didn't get him. Shadur Sanders. Shadur <laughs> Sanders wins this game. I think Shadur Sanders wins this game. Yeah. Oh, I, I think he does I'm too. sorry. Yeah. You mean the Shadur Sanders who's got one, two, three, four, nine hundred and three yards? <laughs> okay. Hudson Card. Two games. You know what? Hudson Card, I think you could because I like Hudson Card. Because remember, Hudson Card almost beat Alabama last year. And I don't think Hudson Cards looked great, but I'm not a huge Graham Harrell fan. So I don't know how much I think I would put that on card than the offense he's playing in at the moment, but I can't rule it out. I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say they do win with Hudson card, but I won't rule it out. DJU? No, because he's Milrow. Yeah. It's run and big plays. I think that's fair. Big arm. Yeah. No, this is uh listen, they, they got to get better. Uh, what about the Texas side? So um, as longtime listeners know, uh, one of the things I do on Saturdays is tomorrow's top 25 today, a projection of the new AP top 25 poll. I've got Texas at three. Whew. I can see that. That's just, it's crazy to think. Look at this. One of the biggest wins of the last, of one of the biggest wins of the 21st century. How about since Texas won the national championship in 2005? This is probably one of the biggest wins. If you're watching at youtube.com slash cover three, shout out to Jordan for pulling the graphic here. Uh, the win against Alabama is one of the largest that they have had in terms of beating a top 25 opponent since 2000, 34 to 24 at number 23, Alabama. Uh, the last one we had 2010 at number five, Nebraska, 20 to 13. Uh, then you go the Oklahoma game, Red River, 45-35 back in 08. And then a couple games in 05, Ohio State in the regular season, USC in the national championship game, the Vince Young game. Um, I, again, I, I just think that this is a Texas program that while we laugh them off about Texas and being back, we have not actually put them in this position in a long time. They looked because ready they for it, man. They had to do little things right. They they have won so many games where they like they did tonight. Outgain the opponent by 110 yards, right? Hit some big big flashy plays and then messed up some little things. Tonight they didn't do that. They 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 were better at Al than Alabama at the small stuff too, and that that's that's huge. It's, it's crazy to think it's been so long since Texas got a top five win that it was Nebraska ranked in the top five at the time. That feels like it had to be decades ago. Anything else there? Because that's a fantastic transition. I don't know How if far you do you drop Bama? Thank you. Oh, oh, I got Bama at tight here. I think it's 10. Sorry, so, Tom, I apologize for messing up your transition. No, it's no, okay. no, no. no. It's, so it's, Bama behind Tennessee, Bama behind Notre Dame. Bama ahead of Tennessee. I've got Notre Dame making a little jump. I think that was a prove-it win. Bama ahead of Washington? Bama behind Washington. It better be. Washington. I mean, I know Washington's schedule to this point hasn't been incredible, but Washington has looked so damn good. Yeah, they like, didn't punt today. No, Washington has had as many punts as the three of us combined. If Washington stays healthy, they're going to be really, really hard to beat. 
that's the key. I think we know preseason that they are not very deep, but if they stay healthy, that's like like a really, really good team that plays together all the time that basically ran it, ran it back almost entirely on offense. So I felt like Tennessee and Utah with the fact that they did not deliver of inspiring performances, even in wins that set the floor for Alabama. If the AP voters are still blinded by Alabama, then maybe they end up higher. And my projection of 10, I think is the floor. The reasoning that I explained is that this same group of AP voters gave Alabama the lowest preseason ranking that they'd had since 2009. So they already have doubt. Like they came into the season thinking that Alabama was not up to the standard. So that's my thought there. All right. Do the first two weeks make this a one bid league? The SEC? Yes. I do. I, I totally agree. Yeah. What if, um, if Georgia wins out, Alabama wins out, and then Alabama beats Georgia in the title game? Georgia should not go. With that joke <laughs> of a non conference schedule and with the SEC collapsing around itself, I mean, like, what's Georgia's best win going to be? All right. See, so you're using logic. And sure. reason the defending champion losing <laughs> for your argument. I'm using it. CFP thought process, but, but you're fair. also reaching like you're also reaching for the corners at this point, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the, the general principle of the question as we sit here after week two or with week two winding down is the SEC a one big a one bid league now? I think yes, is it a zero bid league? <laughs> Trash league, Just saying USC, Texas, Florida State. Miami, everybody's back. Everybody's going to the playoff. Coming up on the other side, Colorado. Just just keeps it rolling. They just they they continue to ask you, me, all of our relatives the most important question. Do you believe? <laughs> and is it back? Is it Is it back? For sure. We'll get into that and more next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, so what do you want? Uh, Miami, Texas A&M or Colorado first? 
Well, there's an easy transition. Texas sure. winning on the same day Jimbo goes to Miami and loses. What's the situation in the Lone Star State right now? Not great. Not great. Pretty great in Miami, though. I think you got to give Miami a boatload of credit here, dude. Honestly, like they come out, they get smacked in the mouth. AM's pushing them around. They get the punt blocked. Then they fumble a punt or, or you know, muff a punt. And then all of a sudden they're, they're down early. Could have been down more, obviously, if you don't kick field goals. Uh, but maybe you can excuse that one on Jimbo's part. But dude, like after that point, they just completely like didn't wilt, which I think normally Miami teams do at least at least in in my lifetime. They they absolutely quit if they're down like that, and they didn't, man. Like they kept fighting, and then they started hitting home runs and throwing haymakers. Like Van Dyke, three seventy four, five touchdowns. Mm-hmm. They, they they schemed it up, and he hit it bombs, man. Just absolute bombs over the top, and, and there were a lot of plays where A and M just didn't have a guy in the picture. Jacoby George, Restrepo, Young. I thought they all played really well. Like that's that's a pretty formidable team now. And if you're the ACC, you're like, thank God, because like watching Clemson today, obviously, like you need a second team. Uh, or I mean, obviously UNC, bit of a letdown. They still won the ball game. Miami looked legit. I mean, 451 yards, 8.4 per play. If you don't have the special team stuff, that this isn't close. And I know the chat saying, hey, like a And M was five and seven last year. I get that. So was Miami. <laughs> They're still pretty, you know. Um, they maybe, did not look organized. No, it, what is DJ Durkin such a good defensive coach that that he? I'm not going to go there anyway. Uh, I listen. Miami dominated this game. I know yeah. the score said it was only 48 to 33, but like Bud was saying, the only reason this game was close was because Miami was messing up. Like, there were the two special teams mistakes. There was the blocked punt. There was the muffed punt. There was also the 10 penalties for 115 yards, including, like, there was one that was a uh, – they got, like, a taunting penalty. I think it was – I think it was James who got the taunting penalty after Texas a and on, like, a third and short, got called from legal hands in the face that would have totally killed the drive. He taunts. The, play, the penalty's offset. Texas a and gets to keep the ball, picks up a first down. There was a lot of – Dumb stuff that Miami was doing. There's a lot of dumb stuff Texas A&M was doing. There was the fourth and one at the six-yard line where they send in the Jumbo package, but everybody takes 15 minutes to come in, so that way there's a second left on the play clock, and Jimbo's got to burn a timeout. They come out of the timeout. Miami's got 13 guys on the field. Miami has to burn a timeout. They come back out from that timeout. Texas A&M's still going for it. Jimbo's going against every bone in his body false start they get back to five yards and have to kick the field goal there was a lot of stupid in this game from not both teams. organized yeah and that's why yeah. as impressive as miami was tyler van dyke was great they looked really good that's why i'm not ready to say that this team is like back yet because there was still a whole lot of stupid in miami well, too well what's back like they can beat a, they could beat a good team like you know, a top micro, twenty level team, yeah. I'm, well, that's the thing is like I, I think they're I'm, there. I'm not normally the micro guy, but there was a moment, and I think it was the like cross body throw to George that was a dumb throw, mm-hmm. but he just kind of made it happen. And I swear out loud, I said that's the plus. 
Like when we talk about a Jag plus, you can win a lot of games with the Jag plus. I was like, that's the plus. If you scheme it up right for him, you can win a lot more than just a, a lot of ball games. Like but, I thought they did a nice job scheming it up. But like he's got a lot of talent. If you are a starting quarterback in college football at the power five level, you've got the tools. All right. You don't get to that place without having the tools. I thought he showed us the plus in a lot of in a lot of spots here against the Texas A&M defense that I did not think looked great, but obviously on paper is very talented. Yeah, I, I think there's a swagger back on this team that you haven't really seen in a few years, or at least not a fake swagger. Like Miami's always pretending it has swagger, but it hasn't really had it for a while. I think you're seeing some signs of that. I think you've, you're seeing a nine-win team that could win 10 if it catches another break here or there. But there's an also, I can't remember, they lost two of their starting defensive linemen to injury in this game. And they still didn't let Texas A&M do anything. So it's like, th- that's a defense that I think has some guys on it that is going to make this a team. You combine the Jag plus a QB, you combine the talent that they showcased at receiver today, and you put it with that defense in the ACC. This is a team that's probably going to win quite a few games, but it's also going to hurt itself at some point with the dumb stuff that it does and some of the coaching decisions. Totally agree. I I don't know how bad the injuries are on the D-line. Uh, obviously, like you, you need to get those guys back if you want to have a special season. But after watching them today and watching Clemson and knowing that Clemson already has a loss in the league, Clemson has to come down there. I, I think – I like what Miami did on defense. I mean, Grant, I, right I know they gave up 433 yards. Tyler Van Dyke or Cade Klubnick right now? <sighs> I, I'm going Van Dyke. I was big on Van Dyke two years ago. He let me down last year, but he looked like the 2021 Van Dyke again today. And I have not seen Klubnik. Klubnik's never been all that impressive to me. Van Dyke has been. That's a really tough one because it, it like last week he didn't look very good at all. So I'm, no. I'm, I'm trying to. He was saving it. But Klubnik, I, yeah. I, I think Miami's offense at least knows what it's trying to do. Both quarterbacks have new offensive coordinators. Tyler Van Dyke has had three offensive coordinators in his three years at Miami. And Shannon Dawson and Tyler Van Dyke looked more in sync than what we've seen so far. And I will admit, look, Clemson, we're we're probably not going to talk about that game. They beat Charleston Southern by, what, 63 to something. They scored the last 45 points of the game. But it started with the pick six that got all of our eyes going. Yeah. So Clemson's going to have plenty of opportunities. None more important than September 23rd in Death Valley when Florida State comes to town. Um, All right. Now let's go to Tyler Van Dyke. That's not a that's not a Heisman Trophy contender. Connor Wagner. That's not a Heisman Trophy contender. Shadur Sanders might be a Heisman Trophy contender because, and and let me lay this out. So you cannot win the Heisman Trophy on a team that goes six and six. Mm, Lamar won it on a seven and five team. Or no, Uh, they were nine and three. No, 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 no. Yeah, they were nine and three. Yeah. That was the year after they went seven to five, my bad. It's it's Robert Griffin the third's Baylor, which I think was like eight and four. (laughs) Like eight win, nine win type type team. Um, Lamar and Johnny Manziel are ten win teams with a couple losses. 
I'm not ready to say that Colorado is like destined for a, an eight win season, but Colorado is playing in a bowl game because Colorado has taken down TCU. Colorado has taken down Nebraska and given the quality of this team. And I think some of the resilience that we saw within this game, I just think you have to adjust your expectations and take them seriously even you know, like Colorado State, that's going to be a win. Now we're at three. And then you start to spin it forward later in the season, Arizona State, Cal. Like, there's gonna, I think it might be Stanford instead of Cal, but um, I you was definitely very, have to adjust your power ratings. I definitely think that this Colorado team with Shudder Sanders is capable of winning eight games in the regular season. I thought the defense, look, look, hey, look, some of it is Jeff Sims, all right? When you are a walking turnover, and that is just not, that's not who he is, it's just his mood right now, that Jeff Sims just gets the ball, and he's so giving and generous, and we're just like so appreciative that he is that way, that he just wants to give the ball right back to you. But Colorado's defense did a pretty good job in some big spots, Against an offense that is not threatening, but some of the other offenses are not going to be as threatening as Oregon and USC and the teams that they're going to play later in September. So I came out of this game feeling pretty bullish on the idea that Shadur Sanders being in the Heisman Trophy conversation is not just going to be a September thing. They're going to have a chance to be able to really build this thing out deeper into the season. It, I mean, could he be a finalist? Yes. Yeah, could he win it? I I don't think so. But he could get to New York if he puts up crazy numbers. And look, like they were throwing really late in this game, I assume to try to get him numbers, right? Because he he only had a certain number of touchdowns at that at that point. He finished with two on the day, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Two two picks. Or excuse me, two touchdowns, no picks, it's obviously. Three total touchdowns. Yeah. Um, like they're gonna try to get him numbers. Sure, like I mean, he's he's Dion's son, and that's really the only offense they have. They don't they don't really run the football super effectively, and Sean Lewis and him are clearly in sync. But if you think about the guys that won the Heisman on teams that were not playoff contending teams, it was Tebow seven following the year in which he was like a, a pretty kind of you know internet sensation on that 06 national title team, right? Robert Griffin, and he had huge games. That was the year he killed Oklahoma, right? Like a, a legitimate, pretty damn good Oklahoma team. And then, you know, Lamar beat a team that I think won the Orange Bowl and, and, mm-hmm. and crushed them in Florida State, like 55 to whatever it was. The TCU game won't be that for them. Like, it, it, we will remember the TCU game. We won't really remember this game, I think, because we're probably going to remember it more just for how bad Nebraska's offense was, which – Hey, Colorado got some tackles for loss finally, guys. Six. Problem is they and did give two up sacks and two sacks. They That's had right. zero sacks and zero tackles for loss against TCU. They had two sacks and six tackles for loss against uh How Jeff many sacks did Nebraska have? Eight. Yep. Yeah. On, and see that's that's yeah. the thing about Shadur to me that is concerning. He holds the ball forever. He's got guts, man. He needs to get rid of it or run. Like it's, he got away with it against Nebraska. Although, he, I mean, he only got away with it against Nebraska because Nebraska kept giving the ball away. Again, they had eight sacks. 
I just, I'm not, I think your nine win or your eight win is way, way too. I, I think they can get to a bowl game. I don't think eight or nine wins is reasonable. But what is the difference point. between six and eight wins in all of this schedule? But see, that's the thing. Okay. I thought the Pac 12 sucked. The Pac 12 doesn't suck. Cal is currently beating Auburn right now. Like the bottom of this league does not appear to be as soft as I thought it was going to be. Washington State beat Wisconsin again today. Arizona, Arizona took Mississippi State, State to overtime on the road. Yeah. There aren't looking at the rest of the schedule, there aren't like a whole lot of wins where you're like, that's a definite win. Like I think Colorado can win a lot of those games. I think they can go bowling, but eight, nine wins, that seems like a lot. So Nebraska did a really good job defensively of matching. Like sometimes they would send extra pressure and it would mess them up. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they would rush three and drop eight and it would mess them up. And I thought that Sean Lewis and Shador and Colorado did a good job of adjusting. Like they, the game changed, which I will acknowledge, but like, you did a pretty good job of taking a great game plan, understanding what they were doing, figuring out what your pivot was going to be, and being able to execute on that pivot. The way that they finished was strong and impressive. Nebraska's defense, Nebraska's defense might be better than USC's. Yeah, I could see that uh, for sure. I don't know. I, maybe. Yeah, I, I still don't think USC's defense is fully formed. And I, I thought USC was going to have a six-game well, runway. Like they play get, on September 30th. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, they don't have a six-game runway. Like, they will have to play somewhat better defense than they've had. However, I mean, do we think Colorado's defense is better than Stanford's? Oh, and you're looking at, like, what, 42 to nothing at halftime? I don't know. I saw it's, it at 35. There's nothing. six minutes left in a half, and it's USC 42, Stanford 3. Okay. Like, how – Clearly, like, like Colorado's defense is better than Nevada's, obviously. Mm-hmm. How much better is it than San Jose State's? Because, I mean, USC's putting up like 50 and 60 on these teams. Oregon, I think, offensively will, will be just fine, especially at home against these guys. Like, this could be another one of those games where you have very few tackles for loss. To, to Tom's point about where's the wins. Arizona State, they they did lose their right tackle tonight again, and they're already down two starting linemen. So there's definitely a decent chance that like the attrition bug just just kills Arizona State. Live bet Oak State is what you're saying if you're watching live on YouTube.com. Yeah, they they, they they scored twice after it, so I I I don't know. Um, it's it's 15, fifteen to ten at halftime. Fifteen ten halftime, yeah. Um, Stanford is definitely beatable by Colorado. Yes, uh, at UCLA. I'm not entirely sure that Chip Kelly doesn't realize that these are these are not preseason games. They actually count, <laughs> but but they did win today, and, and Dante Moore looks good. And the front seven for uh, for UCLA will probably give them quite a bit of trouble. And the back seven will, will probably get tore up a little bit by Shador and those guys. And Arizona certainly at mile high is is, is beatable. At Washington State, they look pretty good. Um, Cam Ward has played really well through the first really two weeks well. of the season. It's weird how they lose Eric Morris and and North Texas looks like an absolute disaster. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Cam Ward is fixed. I don't, I don't know how that goes. And I, I I've never met that, Eric Morris. I don't know this guy. But Bud, I wonder if this is going to make it to final publish. Um, let's see. Uh, Toppling Wisconsin provided a great moment for this Cougars program, which has undergone some staff shakeup and maybe come out better on the other side. 
it's a line from Chip Patterson, the column that I just turned to. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see. We'll see. Yeah. I I I think that Cam Ward's success and obviously a fantastic win for Washington State against Wisconsin. We'll see if we dive into that more later. But Pac-12 is going to be really interesting. It's going to be uh, in the other side of this. Nebraska, Matt Rule era starts 0-2. You can do, listen, like there was the, Shadur was talking about how like this was personal because of the comments Matt Rule made about like the different ways that you can, you know, rebuild a program where Matt Rule's doing it his way and then Dion was doing it his way and Matt Rule wasn't a big fan of the way Dion's doing it. You're just sending guys out the door and blah, blah, blah. You can do a lot of things, quote unquote, right in your rebuild, whether it's going to 50 guys in the transfer portal or five guys and then relying on vets. But if one of the guys you pick in the transfer portal is the wrong QB, it is going to derail your rebuilding efforts, at least in that first year. And Matt Rule picked the wrong QB in the transfer portal, and it is killing them. But he picked the wrong OC. We, we talked about this in, in, in the summer when, when, when Raiola picked Georgia, like just how bad the track record was with quarterbacks. Like To me, that was a non-serious hire. You hired your buddy. The guy's track record with offense is terrible. I, I don't like. But I know is we Marcus Satterfield calling. Who, who is he Jeff calling Sims? to throw the interception or drop the snap play? Like they had no, one good Jeff play Sims today. It was a seventy-five that. yard quarterback run. Damn, that was a really good play. Actually. They had like one, and it, 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 that was basically all Sims, right? Like I, no, 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 no. That was a design. It was a fifty-seven. They they sent everything to the left so that Sims just had one guy to beat to the right, and he, and he took it him. off, and he beat it, and he beat it. It was, it was a good play call, but. It was the only thing that of of note for. I, I, I just find them to be unserious on offense with that hire. So I, I I have a harder time getting really upset about the quarterback. Who picked the quarterback? That's my point. They picked the wrong QB. And I understand. Listen, I understand where you're coming from on Satterfield because we've detailed his background as an OC. Yeah. I just don't know what OC out there right now is like making is winning a lot of games with Jeff Sims. Well, also, uh, can you name the guys they're throwing to? Oh uh, no! Really no, work in the sport. No, I've the, got Kemp. Let, let's play. Yeah, give me the first name. Kemp's, that like Kemp's the running Billy back, Kemp. right? In Marcus the, Washington. All right. Oh, is Billy Kemp the running back or the wide? Can you receiver? give me? Can you give me Fedone's first name? Like I know because I'm a recruit, Nick. But like these aren't household names. Thomas. I, of course, yes. I know okay. Tom's All right, name. You got it. And then I don't know, know how to. I don't one. know how to not pronounce his name. But there's the book Krickner guy that <laughs> I don't know how to say it. See who are you? I got a fullback who has the same name as the linebacker. It's not Leverkusen, but it's like another like starts with an L. Oh, Lindermeyer. Well, is Lindermeyer the fullback or the linebacker? Lindenmeyer is the fullback. Okay. Luke Lindenmeyer. I, I cheated. I just looked that up. I didn't know that off the top of my head. I did not know that. I mean, <laughs> Nebraska doesn't have any weapons. They don't have a good offensive coaching staff, and they clearly picked the wrong quarterback. They're not going to make a bowl. No. I mean, no, they lost these games that were supposed to be the ones that would give them the opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to make a bowl. Yeah, basically. The defense is good, though. See, that's why, like, they're 0 2. They have lost to two Power Five programs. One of those was a divisional loss. But the way the Big Ten West looks, 
I will not put it out of reach for Nebraska to get in conference play and play well. I'm not saying I expect them to, but it wouldn't surprise me that much. Okay, what's what's play wealth? Four conference, like four and five? Like go four and, and five, five and four, yeah. Four and five does not get them to a bowl. No, but it's not terrible either. If they go, if they Ooh. actually no, if they win their last two non-conference games, they've only played one non-conference game. If they go four and five in conference and two and one out of conference, they're six and six. Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech is advantageous. They can two get there, and, and all of a sudden the fields are good. Yeah. Those and are very winnable. If you lose and, to either of those, it's and Michigan just mashes you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I cannot wait for the demoralizing. Uh, loss in game five after they've gotten all the confidence back after going two and two should be phenomenal. Um, okay, so hit another break and then open it up, or is, or is there something else we want to get to? Do we want to do Oregon now? Yeah, no, no, let's hit a break. All right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, you do you have a lot, us, Dad? What do you mean you're asking do, us? Do you have a lot to unpack here, or is this a quickie? We we, we have a decent bit. Of, well, we we could get a VOD out of this. That's what we're t- we're gonna talk about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna yeah, say. Okay. If, yeah, yeah. If you got like <laughs> chunks to be able to unload, then all right. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on the other side, Bud's got chunks on Oregon and more. <laughs> on May twenty third. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. There's nothing um, more college football, and maybe it's because the day is so spread out, but every single week there's going to be a game of note between it or involving a power conference team where the universal reaction is, oh, no, blank team. And the oh, no, Texas Tech, like echoed across the entire nation. I had my head down. I was mostly Texas Bama. I was trying to finish my writing assignments, put together the the rundown. The the placeholder was Oregon Texas Tech reaction. How in the world did Texas Tech let this go sideways? It's a good question because it was a fairly like evenly played game. Just yes, Oregon was better situationally. Texas Tech was not great at converting. And 
Bo Nix is just pretty trustworthy, honestly. I mean, they they really didn't run the ball effectively at all. They didn't hit deep shots effectively at all. I mean, they were two of five on, on stuff that went 15 yards in the air, which is kind of poor and maybe like a, a bit of an alarm bell uh, goes off. But every time Bo Nix needed to stay out of the chains with a quick pass, he did. He was 22 of 25 on stuff that went less than five yards in the air. He just kept the ball moving down the field. And then 8 of 14 on that you know 5 to 14-yard range. Uh, Texas Tech was more like haymakers and strikeouts, and Oregon just kept hitting singles, kept hitting singles, and, and ultimately got, got the dub. But like they didn't look amazing to me, honestly. Uh, uh, Texas Tech ran the ball on them, too, a little bit. I mean, not, not great because a lot of it was Tyler with the one scramble, but I don't know. I, I thought Oregon was going to look better than this. Texas Tech was up by two when I pulled my head up, and I yeah. looked down, and they were down by eight. They were up by nine at one point in the third quarter. What is this a Tyler Shuck problem? Is this Three a interceptions Texas Tech is problem? a Tyler Shuck problem, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, they, they committed four turnovers, and I know one of them was late when they were down 31 to 30, you know, trying to come back and get in the field goal range, and it was the pick six, and that was the, you know, nail in the coffin there, but yeah, the pick six was the cover. Like that was like people who had Oregon covering the spread yeah. on the road. They knew that they felt like they were dead in the water. And then all of a sudden they're like, woo, like Undertaker, you know, out of the coffin, all those things. The like, other, this, uh, one of the other picks, what was the final throw of the game? Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, we saw this last week. Texas Tech jumped out to a 17 nothing lead in Wyoming and lost. And that was my, you know, I had them minus what seven or six and a half or whatever. And then today they had the nine point lead in the third quarter and they lost. And like last week, their post game win expectancy, according to SP plus was like 83%. I don't think it's going to be nearly that high today because of the four turnovers, but Oregon had 14 penalties for 124 yards, but they kept converting on third down. Texas tech couldn't get off the field. And this is one of those things where the red Raiders were kind of hyped up. I don't want to say hype. I think hype's a little strong, but they were kind of pushed as a team that could maybe take it like the step forward. Like they were the sleeper pick in the Big 12. They were the very, you know, trendy sleeper. But they're a team that, you know, they had success last year, but they it's that thing you see a lot with new coaches and programs on the rise. They have to learn how to win. Last week, they had a chance to win and they didn't finish. Today, they had a chance to win and they didn't finish. They kind of folded in the end and blew it. That's a hump that they're going to have to get over at some point. I mean, do you think they're a top 10 team? Oregon? Because I, I, I kind of thought they were entering the day, and now I'm not entirely sure. I think they are. I, I think are playing five, like, like a serious playoff contender? Not right now. I think they could be, if, is depending on how things go the rest of the season. But I think going to Lubbock is tough. Like, that's not an easy place to play on the road. That's a tough environment to get in. The fact that they were in that position and they scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, to me, gives me reason to think this team's kind of got some, you know, salt to them. Like if they get into a tough spot against a Washington or USC or anything. Yeah, I, I take Washington spot. over Oregon. I take USC over Oregon. And I don't think that it would be wild if Oregon doesn't play its best game and slips up against UCLA or Oregon State. What? Why, why do we think Washington would get any stops against Oregon when they really didn't last year except in, in, until Bonix got hurt? Like to me, that game's just, just whoever has the ball last. 
Yeah, I'm not sure they will get any stops. <laughs> but, no, I mean, be. like, it's Washington does look better. Washington also has not played anybody who can throw the football at all. Like, Boise seems to be broken. So, and the other team they Covered played was, was Tulsa. I will say something concerning about Texas Tech here. Why does Texas Tech having Tyler Shuck with 23 rushes? You notice that? T- Taj Brooks got six carries. Willis got one. White got. T- are these all scrambles? Like I, I know he ran a lot. In my mind, I didn't realize that he had twenty three registered rushes. Now, five, four of those are are sacks. Sacks. So let's say he has nineteen design rushes plus scrambles. That's kind of nuts. He's not really what you'd consider a dual threat. Yet there he is sitting with two eighty two and one hundred one. Yeah. I also That's- think Oregon needs more out of their receivers. Like the, for the downfield type stuff, but they kept committing so many penalties. You're, you're, Tom's right. Like it, every time I look, Josh Connor was false starting. Like Troy Franklin, I think is living up to the billing. He had six yeah. catches for the hundred three yards, but the rest of that group, I don't think has been outstanding. Like Bucky Irving is their second. Like he led the team in catches today, but I think he's their second leading receiver on the season now. It's like I, I don't know if I want my running back to be my second leading receiver on this team. I think that's fair. I I don't think they're a top 10 team, but I'm not asking Oregon to be a top 10 team. I thought this was a good win. And I see our friend Kanata Edwards in the chat. What's up, Nada? Appreciate you hanging out. Um, This is a a page that I pulled from Gary Parrish a long time ago, Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you want an actual frame of reference, because everyone talks about overrated, underrated, like what did we think about a team? Let's go to the actual media that covers the team and what they said preseason. The Big 12 media said Texas Tech was the third best team in the Big 12 preseason. They have not delivered to those expectations. Mm -mm. That's fair, but we also largely as a group kind of express skepticism with that. Oh, like, who cares what? about us being right? Us being right is not that important. No, we, we, well, we, we want to react to the conversation more but, than we want to just be like, oh, yeah, we're right. Yeah. But but the que- the question <laughs> was like, why? Just continuity? Like, like wh- where are the new players? Like, are, are there young guys that we're expecting to take a big time leap on this defense or, or offense? Or is it basically just the same Texas Tech team that you're running back? They just beat Minus Texas. The top 10 la- pick. Yeah, yeah. They just beat Texas last year. Won eight games. Were a pain in the ass for everybody. And so when you're looking at all of the turnover uh, at TCU, when you're looking at all the doubt about Baylor, when you're looking at trying to find somebody else uh, to pick in a different spot, then yeah, Texas Tech seemed nice. I think maybe the media was just thinking Texas and Oklahoma were already gone. <laughs> just bumped them up. So put Texas Tech in third behind like Kansas State and TCU or something. Fourth. I was wrong. Fourth. Fourth. Still. Not going to be fourth. Right? Right? No. Okay. I mean, they're not finishing ahead of Texas and Oklahoma. They're not finishing. I mean, I don't know. They're not finishing ahead of Kansas State. touchdowns today. Yeah. They're not not finishing. Troy boy. Listen. Troy boy, I got to tell you, I don't don't know what the Trojans got right now, but defense could not slow down Will Howard today. Kansas State could not run the ball effectively on a down-to-down basis in, like, one of their first real tests in the post-Deuce Vaughn era, and, uh, like, Will Howard had to do a lot of that running, and 
Phillip Brooks had a good good day receiving. I think it was like seven catches on seven targets, something silly like that. But anyway, Kansas State looks all right. We'll see. We we got more tests ahead for them. Uh, okay. Do so, Oklahoma goes to Gabriel soon? You mean goes me. to Jackson Arnold soon? Uh, excuse me. Yes. Yeah, because they already were busting him out for uh, like special designed plays mm-hmm. and short yardage situations. 28-11 is the final score against SMU, and it was a game that was cut to 14-11 in the fourth quarter. Two late touchdowns make this result look a lot better, but not a good game for a majority of the time that Oklahoma's offense was on the field, it did not look good. Totally agree. I, I Now that you've seen what Texas operates as, do you think that Dylan Gabriel can beat Texas? No. no. I don't either. I'd rather roll the dice with Jackson Arnold. I don't think Jackson Arnold can either. No. Either no, but I, like, I think I it's like, pretty clear I, what the limitations are with Gabriel. Like, like, I don't you, think the skill players like line them up. Let's do tail of the tape skill players. There's a lot Sanders. of Oklahoma okay. receivers in the NFL. I don't know how many NFL receivers are currently on Oklahoma. Let's play. Would he start? And I'm not going to go guy by guy. Would any Oklahoma skill player start at Texas? No, Correct. not right now. Cause Zero. the starting lineup is so good. Right. That's my point. Yeah. Like the Xavier Mitchell, like let's go even very basic. Like, uh, not Xavier Mitchell, excuse me. Uh, Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jatavian Sanders. No one, like, there is no Oklahoma player. Isaiah Nair? What? I, I, Isaiah Nair, jo- Jonathan Brooks, Baxter. Baxter, who was, like, getting, like, starters carries at the beginning of the game. They, they've Throwing kind of the ball. More Brooks, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that, uh, while Oklahoma can feel confident that it has some answers for tough situations from the skill position players. Those players aren't going into Austin and starting. Not at all. Texas, for sure. Uh, so, Notre Dame, are you a believer? Yes. Yeah, me too. That was, I mean, they looked really good in the first two games, but it was Navy and Tennessee State. So it was very easy to just kind of like, eh. But that was a very good defense that they faced today, and Sam Hartman carved that thing to ribbons. He averaged over 10 yards an attempt. He averaged nearly 20 yards a completion, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And it was just like they had the really long delay, which, I mean, that was the real MVP today, the weather. And then Estimate comes out with the 80-yard touchdown run in the very first play after the delay. It was just, yeah, that they're good. I mean, they can, based on what we've seen from Clemson, they could beat Clemson. Based on what we've seen from Ohio State, which I'm sure we'll get to a little bit more here later, they could beat Ohio State. Can they beat USC? Maybe. They can. They seem to be able to score with USC the way they're playing. So it's going to be hard for them to get through all those games, but I am much more confident in Notre Dame right now than I was last week, yes. I, I think I'm a believer that they are a, uh, a contender to make the playoff. Um. I don't know that they're in that upper tier where I feel like they could actually win the playoff game, but I do think they, they could make it if they run good, they continue to improve. Since Tom was super positive, I should be positive too. Like they, they look good, right? They, they hit the big plays. I will say I'm a little bit concerned at how big play reliant they were, if that makes sense. Like they were, I mean, they had 456 yards of offense, which was awesome. And their defense played exceptionally well. 
but they had like plays of like 80, 64, 45, 40, and, and 45. Like they had eight big plays for 320 yards. <laughs> that's my point. Right. And, and, and they ran like on, so the fifth, so the 53 other plays were honestly kind of poor oftentimes. And so I, I would like to see more consistency out of them. Uh, I thought like Hartman didn't throw any picks. NC State dropped at least one that I saw watching live, maybe two. Uh, so I want to see more consistency out of them. But I think we have not even been able to complain about Notre Dame being too explosive or too reliant on explosives in recent years. So mm-hmm. that, to me, is evidence of progress. Yes. If you want to get to that next step, you need to have like the higher success rate and the explosive plays. But like this is definitely a major step, and the defense continues to look pretty good. And, and to your point, stat broadcast, and I think that sometimes these numbers get corrected when we do more uh, – you know looking into the numbers, but they had their success rate on offense today only 33%, which is not, that's below average. You want to be higher this than that. This is one of the best defenses that Notre Dame will play but all this is, season. This is yeah. what I was about NC to get to. NC State had a 19% offensive success rate. So, yeah, no, well, listen, there, there's also that piece of this, which is like Brennan Armstrong putting on a Jordan Lynch suit to beat UConn is fine. But like Jordan Lynch, that's a deep cut, man. It's a Dave Doran cut. I mean, that's, it is. I, it yeah, is. I, I saw Dave Doran look out at Brendan Armstrong with hearts in his eyes uh, in that UConn game on that Thursday night. He was like, "I got myself a Jordan Lynch. He'll go out there." But like, you can't run a MAC offense and be able to beat teams with strong top fifteen, top twenty level talent on defense, and that's ex- exactly where Notre Dame is. And those wide receivers are young and they're a little bit inexperienced and they're kind of piecemealing it together with a couple transfers. There were some drops, some drops that led to interceptions. Like it's, it is an offense that is not exactly plug and play. And like, shout out to my guy, Wes Durham. Like he mentioned this um, before the season even started. He said, everyone's going back to Robert and I and Brendan Armstrong in 2021 but that group had an experienced offensive line, experienced skill players, and they'd been in the system. He said, if you want to know the highs and the lows, he said, go back to the Bryce Perkins UVA team, which granted for UVA standard won a lot of games, but had some highs and lows. And I think that that's probably a good expectation to set. Brendan Armstrong's not throwing for 400 yards a game, but there you made the right hire with Robert and I, you just ran up against a really, really good defense that was seasoned dialed in. I think that the year two of Al golden matters. And I think that they're, they're in a good spot right now. Notre Dame is not a top 10 team because their name is Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a top 10 team because that is their quality. I think it's fair. You're, you're not going to beat them up too much. And, and they, they look good, man. Um, all right, what else? I've got uh, got Ole Miss over Tulane. We got the UNC app double overtime game. Uh, Iowa did not score 25 points again. Oops. No, but they hit our exact number that I projected that they would need to hit if they want to average 25 points this year, 20. I've Based got it all gamed out. They're it, okay. Okay, so the points that they did not get against Utah State – did not get added to this one. They got pushed to another game. Correct. They have been redistributed. Western Michigan, you're in trouble. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, where where do y'all want to go? 
I mean, I didn't watch any North Carolina. I watched the entire Tulane uh, Ole Miss game. Tom, what do you want? Which one? My, my takeaway is Jackson Dart. Yeah. I thought Jackson Dart came up with some plays in that second half. Yeah. I did not think that Jackson Dart was going to be able to, on third downs, on uh, tough positions when you're in plus territory and you got to get a conversion. I did not see him being able to come up with those hard yards, either running the football or coming up with the pass play. I've, I've thought he was so one-dimensional last season, and he was he was a gamer out there. It was Tulane's defense. It is not the same defense that he's going to face in the SEC West, but I was impressed. You know, you're on the road. Um, you know, whatever the, whatever the Michael Pratt adjustment is, it doesn't impact what happens with Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart played well. And that was something I did not expect. I thought he played exceptionally well, especially because Tulane whipped Ole Miss's offensive line. Like they consistently gave them trouble. And that's probably not a great sign. Like I know Tulane has a really, really good D line for the American. Tulane does not have a good defensive line by SEC standards. So if you're Ole Miss, I think you need to be concerned that your offensive line got kind of beat up today. Uh, Receiver-wise, the Harris kid, solid. I, I'm interested to see if they get uh, Franklin, who they took from UTSA, if he gets into the mix following the, the knee scope, what happens there and, and how, how he ends up looking. I thought Ole Miss's defensive line was pretty damn good, actually. Uh, and the Ole Miss secondary was uh, was poor, in my opinion. You really can't let a backup playing. And I'm not trying to like dog on the American Conference here, but again – you can't let Michael Pratt's backup take you to the wire. Hey, my guy Kai Howard, he was well. a better downfield passer. Yeah, than Pratt had has been at times. Kai Horton. Kai Horton. Sorry. Show the man some respect. And look, Tulane's exceptionally well coached, but it's not like Ole Miss didn't know this game was coming up. It's not like Ole Miss couldn't watch Tulane beat USC in the Cotton Bowl last year. There's really no excuse to to come out flat like that and to not. I don't know. I, I wonder if they have some if, if they have problems. Yeah, Does I mean, anybody in the SEC West not have problems? <laughs> like Ar- Arkansas totally looked look like crap today against Kent State. Ole Miss Auburn's pretty losing. disappointing how they played. Auburn's losing to Cal. LSU is all kinds of internal stuff apparently. So, can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, I didn't get many eyes on this game. But I had to do an HQ hit about 3.15 Eastern. And I left to go do the HQ hit, and Baylor was up on Utah, and it really looked like Baylor was going to beat Utah. Do my hit, come back, sit down, turn the TV back on. Utah beat Baylor. What the hell happened? Utah basically stopped trying to play a quarterback at quarterback and they just ended up using Jaquindon Jackson in the Wildcat. Like down the stretch, it worked pretty well. And then Baylor, their offense still is kind of, yeah. So is that something we think we're going to see going forward? Like as long as rising is out, are we going to see like a Wildcat with Jaquindon Jackson, or are they going to put Barnes back in next week? I mean, he played some quarterback in high school, so it's not crazy to think that like he could – Um. Forget high school. He was a quarterback at Texas. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Nate, Nate Johnson, by the way, 
also played much better. Like they, they did some wildcat stuff with, with with Jackson, but like they did take out Barnes. Barnes was um, like Barnes helped him get the win over Florida. I'll, I'll do credit to, to him, but I, I think eventually uh, you know he kind of turned back into a pumpkin, and, and Baylor Baylor had him figured out. Utah is Weaver State next week, and then UCLA comes to town. I mean, if you haven't played Rising yet, you're going to sit him next week against Weaver. They play like a crate. I, I only know this because of BYU hired their DC, but like they play a really, really aggressive style of defense. So, I don't know. Do you risk hits? Yes. Okay. I would get him. I just want to get him some snaps more than anything. I wouldn't play him the whole game, but I want to get him snaps. It's a gross game. The whole game is gross. Yeah. I mean, just. That was, it was so funny. Bud and I were talking Speaking about. Speaking of this. gross game, shout out Northwestern kicking UTEP's ass. Look at that. I was so wrong about that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyways, I'm sorry, Chip. I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I mean, it was, it was just that uh, Bud said that Kyle Whittingham heard that it was like, okay. So both teams have backup quarterbacks. Nice. It's my kind of game. Tell me more about this. Can, can, can we play with our arms tied behind our backs and just bite each other? Is that is that going to be a fun game? Yeah, that'll be a good game. Because that's kind of what it felt like. Because the, the two scores, by the way, Tom is, is laying out a scenario, you know, giving you his perspective. Uh, on the official scorecard, Utah had two touchdowns in the final two minutes. They were down 13 to six all the way up until the two minute mark of the fourth quarter. Bang, bang. Baylor's done. You're 0 and 2. Congratulations, Bears. You've lost at home twice. But 15 plays, 88 yards, eight minutes on that touchdown drive to tie the game at 13 13. The collapse was very, very fast for Baylor. That drive, the inability for Baylor's defense to get a stop on that drive in the fourth quarter broke that team in a way that might not be repaired for the rest of the season. That's Agreed. My- no, yeah, I... I, I any of it. <laughs> Utah basically just said man's game and just pushed them around. This is the thing, like Utah, I really thought, okay, they're, they're going to have a bit of a preseason here without rising, without Keithy. If they get these guys back, they're going to be super dangerous, man. I don't think they're going to be super dangerous. I think they're only going to be dangerous on their terms. I think that everybody else, That's fair. I think everybody else in the Pac-12 has a ceiling that is higher. I think that Utah is your classic, like, I mean, Kentucky ain't doing it for me this year. But like you think about Kentucky at its no, peak. no, do not compare Utah to Kentucky. No, Don't do it. agreed. Yeah, but like you, you play down into their game, you can get got. All right, so give me another team. You understand what kind of like position, I, what, what character I'm painting here, right? I, Let's I see. do. So pick uh, a two time like conference. Michigan champion. State under uh, under D'Antonio. Yeah. Okay. Is that yeah. might be back like, under D'Antonio. Really, soon, really to some good. Of the news it's breaking right now. Like could or, or could make it. could make a playoff in certain years. Awesome defense, powerful run game. Typically, didn't almost never threw the ball well enough through the air to actually like win the biggest of the big game, right? 
And by the way, like I understand that Utah has high scoring games like against USC, but to just state that and not acknowledge USC's defense playing a part in the final result <laughs> is irresponsible. Yeah. In my professional opinion. <laughs> I would agree with that. Speaking speaking of teams that can beat you when they drag you into their little pit and in, in their little bowl of mud and games that I didn't really get a chance to see, but I'm assuming you guys did. What the hell happened to Pitt today? They lost to Cincinnati. Bro. Oh, that's a bad loss, man. It's a really bad loss. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to unveil the ACC era on the CW? <laughs> Talk <laughs> I forgot. No, I couldn't I find it. That's why I couldn't find that game. Yeah, it was on the okay. CW. Yeah. In ACC country, we're just going to call it the CW. Not the CW, the CW. Yeah, the CW was where you could find Scott Satterfield getting his revenge on the ACC. He took out all of the anger that Louisville fans had for him for getting hard eyes at South Carolina like three years ago. And he took it out on Pitt. And was Pitt looking ahead to West Virginia? Like, was Pitt thinking about everything else that was coming up on its slate? I don't know. I got to do some investigating on that. But bad loss. I'm just happy that mystery solved. I'm not going to do any free ads, but I have like a streaming service that I use, okay, for football games on Saturday. And I have my guide set up to where it's every channel, because I only use it on Saturday. Every channel is a channel that's broadcasting college football. And I'm going through this guide. When I saw that score, I'm like, where the hell is this Pitt-Cincinnati game? So then I opened like the ESPN app thinking, maybe it's on there. I couldn't find it. Now I know. Thank you. Dracovic was 10 of 32. That's not great. I mean, Emory Jones was 18 of 26 for 125, which is actually kind of hard to do. And Dracovic is worse. How in the heck did this game have 48 points? It it also (laughs) wasn't as close. I mean, it it was 27 to 7 at one point. All right, what else stands out? Kansas looked pretty good on Friday night. Hmm. Sorry about that, bro. Looked exactly like I said. It was I was my biggest fear was with that offense and that young defense. They were going to just gash them and confuse the hell out of them, and they did. Kansas is good again. Like Kansas, we talked about like quarterbacks in the Big Twelve that could beat Texas. I don't think Kansas can beat Texas, but I think Jalen Daniels is one of those kind of game changing guys who could make it a lot more uncomfortable on him than most teams can. Did you guys watch Washington State? Yes. Yeah, I did. I I didn't get to watch this one. They look, they're good. They're good. I mean, yeah. They're not like they're they're not going to win the Pac-12. They're not that good. They're not going to win ten games. But the way Cam Ward has played through the first couple weeks of this season, that is a team that could win eight games. That is a team that could go to a you know a good bowl game. That's a team that could knock off one of those teams that we're all expecting to be one of the contenders in the Pac-12. And on the other side. Tanner Mordecai is exactly who I've been saying he was the entire offseason since Wisconsin got him. He's he's a guy. He's the, I, I, He's got plenty of experience in the system, and I understand why that was valuable to them. But the way he performed against good teams while at SMU and like Power 5 teams, that is a, that's a jag, and he's been playing like a jag for Wisconsin so far. 
Washington State is not going to be good on a down-to-down basis, but the highs are higher than the highs that Wisconsin was able to hit in this game. Mm-hmm. They can make big plays. Wisconsin had a couple, but most of Wisconsin's like big plays so far this year have come in the, on the ground. And Wisconsin has more negative plays. I thought Cam mm-hmm. Ward had less negative plays than Wisconsin did. Uh-huh. And Wisconsin, they they made an effort. They nearly came back to get this game. Like, yeah, I thought I was, they were going to get blown out. This was a out. fun one. This yeah. was a like mm-hmm. this one was once I got the uh scent that Alabama Texas was in the books. I like had I've got my little three box where like there's one big and two smalls. I pivoted. I threw Alabama, Texas into a small, and then I threw, you know, Washington, Washington State into the big. No, it was a fun game. I mean, it was uh, it was second screen status the entire Texas Alabama, so I was watching it pretty close. Um, did you see? Right, uh, just to take you all back, in the final minute of the year of our Lord, twenty twenty two, a young man by the name of Noah Ruggles stepped out to the field and he had a chance to kick a field goal to send Ohio state to the national championship game. Uh-huh. But unfortunately for Noah Ruggles, he'd played football at the university of North Carolina, which meant that he was cursed. He was cursed in ways that were going to extend so far beyond anything else. And he missed that field goal. And Georgia went to the national championship game and won that national championship game handedly. And I've said many times, I was like, you shouldn't have sent the Carolina kicker out to go and try and win that game. Should have sent out CJ Stroud. And I know Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't in the game, but you had plenty of other options. But North Carolina had a chip shot field goal to win the game at the end of regulation against App State today. His first kick, one timeout left for App State. Sean Clark calls timeout. And it wasn't the kind of timeout where you did not get the kickoff. It was the kind of timeout where you did get the kickoff. And this guy had a duck hook. (laughs) (laughs) If that thing was on a par four, it was still hitting trees. (laughs) And Sean Clark, the App State head coach, puts his hands over his head. He says, oh, no. If I had just not called timeout, we'd be headed to overtime right now. What have I done? So then my guy lines it up again. And just like me on that par four, when I've hit that duck hook, short left and so bad, you thought it was blocked. I mean, just go back and look at it. You thought it was blocked. This game continues to go back and forth. Um, First overtime, both teams score. Both teams hit the extra point. North Carolina gets the ball first. Um, And then on the two-point try, Drake May tries to run it in. He gets stopped short. But then App State is not able to convert. So in double overtime, because as it was intended, UNC and App State are going to play a bananas, bonkers, sideways game. North Carolina somehow emerges despite all of the kicker curses that surround that program. You know what? I don't have a greater point about this game, but I have kind of done a 180 about this topic, like North Carolina playing App State, Virginia playing James Madison and losing. And like last year, I was giving these guys a bunch of crap. It's like, why are you scheduling these games? 
done a 180. I'm grateful that they're scheduling these games. Yeah. I, th I think if you're a program, like considering everything that's happening in this sport, where now Cal and Stanford and the ACC, Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA are in the Big Ten, schedule these games because this is fun. This is college football. This is like against a state school. Like if you're not competing for national titles, you should be playing these games. James Madison gets a huge win over Virginia. App State nearly does it against North Carolina. They were both entertaining, fun games, and I'm sure the fans yeah. for both teams enjoyed it. Like, we need more of it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a complete 180 on this topic now. Those boys came down the mountain with their hair on fire, mm -hmm. and it made for an awesome game. And by the way, like, if we want big picture, like real, tangible, what do we do with North Carolina from this game, Amarion Hampton answered the freaking call. All right. We've been talking about how they had five running backs and they needed to get to two. They didn't know who was going to step up. British Books missed all of last season with an injury. Every single time he's been healthy, he's been a difference maker. He was good in the first game. He can't play tonight because of an injury. Hampton goes for 234 and three touchdowns. And when they got into overtime, they didn't even mess around. They said, we're just going to run a Marion Hampton because that boy's been in the weight room and he is ready to capitalize on the blue chip projections that he had going forward. If North Carolina can run the ball consistently with their running backs, like look, App State's defense plays with an edge. They are going to play tougher defenses. They're going to play a tough defense against Minnesota in week three. They're going to play a tough defense against Pitt in week four. It will not be the same push for that offensive line, but if the back you're giving it to runs as hard and as angry as Amarion Hampton did tonight, North Carolina might be okay. You guys are going to get McCollum back too. He played, to, he was dressed tonight. I don't remember him making, I mean, I remember Kobe Paysauer making a bigger impact, J.J. Jones and the tight ends. Um, I don't have the box score pulled up. I'm still on Wisconsin, Washington State. But McCollum was at least like dressed and out in the lineup tonight. I just feel like in prior years, maybe North Carolina finds a way to lose this game. And I, I know they, they didn't lose last year to App, but I, you guys got a run game. It's cool, man. Like, do we really think Drake May is not gonna not gonna turn it on to pass for a million yards once he gets gets like at least one decent target out there? I, I think they'll be good. Uh, all right. What else? Anything else? We've talked about the buyout bowl. Does Dana even make it to the buyout bowl? Because Could speaking Rice of end up winning, yeah. Speaking of yes. playing local rivals, oh, Rice beat Houston. They jumped out to what the twenty-eight nothing lead on them. Houston comes back, ties it, and then loses in overtime. They lost to some carbs. I had to mute myself right there because I just had to say it out loud. For my young sleeping children to hear. <laughs> Can I believe they lost that game? JT Daniels. I put together a, um, a parlay of basically all the underdogs for the favorites that I would not bet like the money line price with y'all's money. And Rice was in there. So that was good. Did it, did it hit? Uh, not, not the $1 to win 250K. No, but. Um, Parlays never win, Chip. That's why no, I don't play them. <laughs> NC State was kind of dumb. Uh, Texas State, kind of dumb. Old Dominion, Rice, Almost. Florida International, Washington State, Panthers, Arizona, 
Sam Houston. JT Daniels today against Houston. 28 of 42 for 401 yards and three touchdowns. Five stars back. Maybe he just found his lane. Like this, this is just what he what he feels good at doing now. Like like this is the kind of the level he needs to play on. Luke no, McCaffrey. I think he got motivated. He caught a bunch of strays in the Tez Walker discourse. <laughs> the university. No, I don't want to put Kevin Guskowitz out there, but I know Bubba Cunningham and I think Mac Brown too were both like, we got a guy out here playing for his fourth school. You won't even let Tez play for his second school that he's actually played at. They didn't call him out by name, but everybody knew it didn't exist yet, Jim. Huh? They leave out the part where the rule didn't exist yet. (laughs) It's always funny. By the way, I'm not saying Mac's part of this, but I always enjoy when coaches bitch and moan about players being allowed to transfer until their guy doesn't get the waiver. And it's like, now what the hell is the NCAA doing? They're doing what you've been begging them to do since they made transferring, since they created the transfer portal. That's exactly what they're doing. I think that we've had a lot of people come out and say on record, what is the NCAA doing governing college football? This doesn't make sense. This is hurting college football. College football would be better if it didn't have to exist under NCAA rule. But most of those people are not Hall of Famers with the national championship ring. Mac Brown is the first person with real clout to be out here on record saying like this governance does not make sense. What's it? A mountain out of a molehill? Maybe. Coaches pushed for the role. That's I'm not trying to work. defend the NCAA, but the rule that is keeping this from happening was pushed by coaches onto the NCAA. Max should yell at his fellow coaches. And the NCAA comes back and is like, this was unanimously approved. Yes. Again, it's it's not a problem until it goes against you. If Max out there making the same arguments when it goes against a player for another team, cool. Fair. Uh, Damn it, Jade Jay Not just got hurt. That's not good for Cal. He's only their most important player, right? Maybe yeah, either side of the football. I'm gonna live bet Auburn real quick. Hold on. Yeah, oh, man. Uh, no, hey, I will say Cal has this backup running back. That I don't know his name. They got him from um, Montana State. He's actually really good. And that's the perfect way to end a podcast because I yeah. swear you will not find that offhanded, top of the mind information from anybody else in this entire industry. Auburn plus three and a half is in. Oh, let's go. <laughs> fire, 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 fire. And circle back with us on Monday to see if Auburn plus three and a half live hits. A pun for the review, Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Late night reactions, plus more from the games we didn't get our eyes on or our arms around. So come and hang out with us live, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Blood Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See y'all. Thank you. 
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.